Hello, this is Brad Wiseman, and you're listening to another show of How You Show Up. And sitting here in front of me is Janet Oberholzer. I said it correct, right? Yes, you did. Okay, good. Janet has amazing stories to tell us. Um, I, I found uh, about your book uh, through other friends on Facebook. Facebook. Facebook's amazing. I mean, I'll tell you what, you can, you can meet all kinds of people. It's really neat. But first, I'd like to say, introduce yourself. Obviously, we know you're Janet. Introduce yourself. Tell me a little bit about your personal life, uh, you know, married, children, whatever. And then we'll dig into uh, some great things about how you show up. Well, thank you, Brad. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. I'm as excited to show up here. That's good. Uh, I am married to Jerry, right. and we have three boys. We are the J family. They are Joshua, <laughs> Joseph, and Jonathan. I like that. <laughs> they are all in various stages of college and beginning careers right now. Good, good. So you got a lot going on. We do have a lot. You have a lot going, going on. on. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody gets together for the the Christmas holiday coming up. We did Thanksgiving together in L.A. because two are living out there right oh now. Oh my gosh. And so only one will be home for Christmas this year. So, so they're spread apart. Throughout the country, too. First year that they are. They wow. just moved this summer. Wow, wow, that's cool. So I want to dig right into, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about where you where you came from and then okay. where you are today. Uh, and the story is, is amazing. One of the first things is that uh, you actually were born in a Mennonite family. I Ex- was. How did, how did you go from, from that to, to not being Mennonite? Well, you're probably still Mennonite, but you're not. As practicing. Yeah, Mennonite is a pretty broad word now. There's a wide range. I grew up in a very strict Mennonite community. It says almost Amish. It it was almost Amish. Um, The dress was very similar to Amish. The big difference is that we had cars and electric, uh, whereas some Amish do, but many don't. Uh, my family and and my husband's family all grew up in that that wow. culture. Um, we met there, married there, and then soon after we got married in our early twenties, we decided that we wanted to explore life outside of those boxes, and made took steps to leave. And today, do not identify as Mennonite anymore. Um, mm. But we have a great relationship with our family. Good. Uh, the uh, Mennonites do not shun. I was like just going to say they don't do. shun anymore. They don't no. do that anymore. Okay. No, and so we get together for them for oh, all the holidays. That's great. Uh, other things, too. Great. Well, that's that was the one thing I just wanted to bring yeah. to that because it was interesting. I'm looking at the bio. There's always things when I'm looking at somebody's bio that, I, that stands out to mm-hmm. me. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, who would have known, you know? Yeah. So you moving forward, it says in here that you obviously uh, like to run. You're a runner. And yes, how I long have you been running? When did you start running? How did you get into that? When I had those three boys, within five years, I needed something for my sanity. Mm-hmm. And I started going for walks first. And okay. then slowly from that, progressed to running. So I was about 28 um, when I started running. Um, I had always been active growing up. But right. growing up in the strict Mennonite community, running was not a part of that, and especially not for a girl. Wow, interesting. And so it was very new for me. But I just found that it was good for my body, but it was also good for me overall. Um, it helped with some postpartum depression I was dealing okay. with at the time. And then I, I soon discovered that I'm slow, a very <laughs> slow runner, but I have endurance. And That's so good. I found the half marathon to be the distance that I like, and I did a number of them over the next 10 years. I don't care if you're slow or fast. <laughs> when you're running 13 miles or whatever the half marathon is, it yeah. doesn't matter. As long as you make it through that, that uh, finish line, you're good. My wife yeah. has done several okay. uh, uh, half okay. marathons, the 10K yeah. down in uh, Broad Street Race. Uh, yeah, yeah that's a 10-mile. Yeah. you've ever run that or not, but she's also did one marathon too and i'll tell you what anybody that can do that to me i just i don't it's amazing totally amazing mm-hmm. talk about putting your body through something that is uh uh pretty it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of determination so i yeah. I, I admire you for that <laughs> now moving on so that's all going on your runner everything's going great you have your three children 
you, you, I saw in here you sold your house. You decided that you just don't want to be uh, tied down. So you want to travel. But it was a different way of traveling. Tell me how this happened. Yeah, Jerry and I started a business called Meadow Gardens that was a full-scale garden center. And we had that for a little over a decade. Uh, we loved the business as far as the connection with the community, but in 03, decided we wanted to sell uh, and do a little something different. Okay. So while we were in transition, after we sold the business, we bought a motorhome. The boys were 11, 13, and 15 at the time, and okay. we decided it would be a great time to travel around the country. Plus, when we were starting the business, we had no time or money or energy sure. to travel. Absolutely. So we took, we're going to do an extended trip, close to nine, ten months. Uh, around the wow. country nice and slow seeing all that we could see and of course the boys needed their education so i was teaching them some plus we did a lot of museums and factory tours and things like that to supplement their education cool. uh, we did some volunteer work because with the, you know the boys were old enough to teach them about giving back and this is all while traveling across the country this is all while traveling we, we left pennsylvania <laughs> in december and then traveled till the next may uh, and so it was mostly the southern states because it was in the winter Okay, good. Yeah, yeah well, you want to travel in the south, exactly. but it's in the winter. Exactly. So during these travels, something yeah. major happened. Yeah, the trip did not end in the way that we, we wanted it to end. thought it was going to end. Now, this is where, where uh, life uh, throws you some challenges. And, and um, tell, your st tell the story as best you can to explain what happened that day. May 20th, 2004, we were traveling in California, a little north of L.A. We were involved in a six-vehicle accident. And the other five vehicles were semi-trucks. Mm. It was um, not a high-speed crash, about 35, 40 mile per hour. Uh, multiple driver errors, what caused it. And the impact was right in the passenger corner of the motorhome where I was sitting. Mm. So thankfully, Jerry and the boys were not hurt. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, I was crushed pretty much from the waist down. Ugh. Uh, it, I don't remember the accident. Didn't I you remember it actually happened. No. You know, I always look at those situations, and I think you know, it obviously happens in a in a split yeah. second. Uh, do you remember the last thing you were doing, saying? Not really. We had left the campground that day around 12:30. The accident happened at 1:30, and I actually don't even have much of a memory of that hour. Wow. Uh, I remember leaving the campground, but later I drove on the same roads out there, and I couldn't even remember. Them. No recollection. No. Of that. And I think and the I brain lost. does it on purpose. Yeah. I think it actually sits there and goes, "Okay, you know what? This was not good. We're going to rewind back. We're going to take that part out, and then we're going to start." So. You're in this. You're in this accident. You, you obviously, tra uh, tragic. Was was yeah. your your boys are fine. Your husband's fine, but mm. obviously you're you're not doing so well. Uh, they take you out, and this is not around here either. This yeah, is an This is away. Three thousand miles away. Explain what happens next. Yeah. Well, I lost consciousness almost right away, but it took about thirty minutes to cut me out, um, and I'm thankful I don't remember that. Then I was flown to the local hospital and woke up roughly 12 days later. Mm -hmm. uh, they kept me in a medical coma due to just severe trauma uh, between wow. from my ribs to my some internal injuries and then both my legs. Uh, whether it was fractures, soft tissue wounds, they really were injured from hip to toe. Yeah. Uh, I woke up finding out that I might never walk again. Uh, they weren't sure how well I would heal and that I, in the first two days it had been life-threatening due to all the blood loss. My parents flew out right away from here the next day because the chaplain told them, you know, she's not sure I'm going to make it. That's unbelievable. It's I really hard to have that conversation when you find yeah. out you're the one that almost died. That was really odd. Still Do you remember odd. Any, any of those things that they say like when you're in coma induced or anything like that? Anything that 
happened during that period any any near nd they call it nd ears near-death experiences yeah. uh, any bright lights anything like that or or voices did you remember hearing anything of your husband or your kids in, in the background i don't remember hearing any voices um i do i did woke up wake up knowing we'd been in an accident and okay. they said that's because they were telling me but i don't remember hearing them tell me mm-hmm. um i do have some very faint memories of lights this and that i've never felt real comfortable wrapping that in any kind of language just because i feel like i was in a, I was in a trauma. Mm-hmm. I was on major meds. Yeah. Um, and if you read my book, you'll see I had major hallucinations from being on morphine wow. for three weeks. And so I have a lot of things that I have memories of that never actually happened. Right, right. Um, gotcha. my, my husband well, that's had morphine. To, yes, <laughs> That'll morphine. Do it. That'll do, do it. That. But it's a, uh, you know, not that it's a good, dr- it's a drug that is necessary. I mean, takes the pain away. Yes, you got that. And it takes it to the point where you yeah. can, you know, deal with it. Yeah. So that happens. Very tragic, obviously. And what a what a life changer or, you know, mm-hmm. now you have that happen. They're telling you that you possibly can't won't be able to walk again. And what I don't think anybody is going to believe that I'm going to say right now is at one point and I, and I want to find out how you got to this point. But you ran a marathon again and probably several uh, mm-hmm. or you've ran half marathons. Mm-hmm. So that was in 2004, correct? May 20th. Mm-hmm. Was it May 20th, 2004? Yes. Is that right? And um, so now when was you start walking again, obviously. Yeah. In your mind, were you thinking, I am going to run again? No, I wasn't. For probably the first year or two post-accident, I did not think I would ever run wow. again. Uh, I walked three months later with the help of a, of a walker, um, and I used that for a time, and then crutches and cane. And walking was so painful mm. and so slow that running was just something I knew I would never do again. Wow. Uh, then I had ongoing surgeries for roughly four years, um, and... Each surgery was very helpful in increasing mobility and decreasing pain. And so slowly I allowed myself to start dreaming that I might be able to run again, but I still wasn't sure if I could. And of those four years of surgeries, I spent about two years pretty sad and angry and depressed. Yeah, well, any, any, I can understand that. Yeah. Due to all the trauma and the pain and the limitations and, and a deformed leg that I now live with. And so I just had to first process some of the emotional trauma before I could even think of what I can do physically. Right. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine that. I can't yeah. imagine what you were going through. And, but, uh, did you all of a sudden, so you're walking now, did you all of a sudden go, Hmm, let me yeah. see, let me see if I can get this little shuffle going here yeah. to see if this works. I mean, obviously in major pain, Yeah. I mean, every step you took had to be painful, uh, because obviously you're, you're, you had many operations on your leg and, and all the things that were going on. And you also had hips, your hips yeah. were also, crushed or whatever my my the doctors called my pelvis humpty dumpty because it was that shattered they didn't know how it would heal again wow Unbelievable. Uh, and my right leg has rods and screws and pins and my left leg between the knee and ankle i lost about 70 percent of the skin and soft tissue and that's where they almost amputated the first week but then decided they're gonna see thankfully yeah uh, there was times within the first year i wondered if amputation might have been better because right. it healed slow uh, mm-hmm. but it it looks very interesting but right. it works amazingly well but it was a lot to adjust to right uh and running did not happen overnight there it was didn't. no overnight success there <laughs> was no so. spontaneous i didn't read the book you know, yet go, so i don't yeah. know how it was right but it's actually good i didn't because then yeah. i can ask you, you know, yeah. and you can tell me but so it was, it was slow. very slow and as i said i had surgeries for four years and each surgery i got a little more mobility and so then i started biking two years after the accident 
Uh, and then I started going on longer walks. Um, and actually, before that, I started kayaking because that was all uh, upper body, just right, on right. a on a lake, not on right. not on rivers, but on a lake because I could be outdoors. I've always loved outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an upper body exercise. My legs could just be there and do nothing. You know, then biking, and then four years after the accident, I had my last surgery. And after that, my pain finally decreased to the point where I could get off pain meds. Thankful for pain meds, but don't want to yeah, live on them. Right, exactly. And then I began dreaming of running. Um, and I actually decided I'm going to try it without telling a soul. Because I didn't want to have to deal with the disappointment with other people. Like, if, if I couldn't run, right. I'll deal with the disappointment personally. And That's so fun. I went right out to Grings Mill here in, in Reading and on the trail. And went walked for probably 10, 15, 20 minutes because right. I was, like, scared to try. <laughs> but started running and then... From there, slowly but surely came back. How did it back. feel for you? How did it feel physically and how did it feel mentally? There had to be a, an amazing uh, epiphany or a feeling or, you know, of knowing that, you know what, I can do this. It, it was a little bit of that, but because my body was so different, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, even though I was off pain meds at that point, I still had pain and oh, still absolutely. have pain today. And so running increased that pain initially. And so I was very, very cautious. And so at first I was so cautious that I couldn't even allow myself to enjoy it. Yeah, gotcha. You're more worried. Yeah, I was more worried. Mm-hmm. Worried that something was going to break or yeah, fall right, off. Or right, I don't right, know. Right. And so I really, I would run for 30 seconds and then walk for two minutes. And right, then right. run for 30 seconds. And I really started up very slow. And then I did have a few times where I felt like I was maybe injuring my legs. So then I backed off running for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And so I took it step by step. And again, right. it was no overnight. There was no jump from Did that to a marathon. Did you tell your doctors you were going to be doing this? I had one doctor that I talked to, and he gave me permission. All the others were like, oh, no, no. And this guy said, you know what? You ran for 10 years before. You know your body. Listen to it. I uh, love that man because he <laughs> really gave me the motivation that. Yeah. And yeah. our bodies are capable more than we give them credit for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I, the first year, just did, you know, three miles was my max. The next year, I did some 10Ks, which is six miles. Mm-hmm. Third year after I got back to running, I did a half marathon and then actually did four half marathons within a year to see how my body holds up with continual training. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And then this past May, May 20th, the eighth anniversary of the accident is when I did my first marathon. We're going to actually take a break right there because there's so much more to talk about here. We haven't gotten into your book. We haven't gotten into... Uh, I know you're doing public speaking and things like that, too. So we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to come back with part two. This is Brad Wiseman and How You Show Up with Janet Oberholzer and Because I Can.